Stand by for practical prepping podcast. No bunkers, no zombies, and no alien invasions, just practical prepping. Where we believe that stuff happens so we need to stay prepared. We're here to help you with that. You can find us at www.practicalprepping.info. Coming in 3, 2, 1. Bad habits, bad strategies, and bad mindsets. That can get you killed. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better. Because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Practical Prepping Podcast. Krista here. Glad that you're with us today. We've got Mark here in the studio. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. We're going to talk about some kind of serious topics here tonight. You know, that it literally, your life could be on the line. Can be. Now, some of this is kind of funny when you look at it in certain ways, but it's really serious stuff. And it is literally, the topic is bad habits, bad strategies, and bad mindsets that could get you killed. We do want to avoid that. Yes. These are prepper strategies and prepper habits that some folks formulate. Now, the first one is focusing on only one type of disaster. Oh, you know, I've met people that are that way. They really believe that their biggest threat is the one thing not realizing that the one thing they may never face ever. True, especially if it's one of those biggies. Yeah. And we saw that with the TV program Doomsday Preppers where, and I know the producers made them take it to the extreme of prepping for one single item. I think, yeah, each week they would have a prepper family that was strictly preparing for some sort of medical issue. So they had all kinds of medications and antibiotics and treatments, but no food stored. And having been in a prepping forum with one of the advisors to that program, I found out that those were actually all very well-rounded preppers. It just made it look very skewed. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But preparing for just one type of disaster can get us in trouble Maybe it's a hurricane, maybe it's an earthquake, but it can leave us vulnerable to other types of crises. You know, some people are prepping strictly for an EMP, and the percentage, the likelihood of an actual EMP is quite remote. I mean, it's possible, sure, but is it probable? No, it is not. No, but there are things that we know we will face. Another thing is not having a plan. Yeah, a lot of preppers will come into preparedness kind of willy-nilly, helter-skelter, you know, a can of beans here, a bag of rice there, a jug of water, and that's about all the prepping and planning they have going. Or they'll come in with a whole lot of 25-year storage food, and they just buy a bunch of gear and don't use it, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But failing to create a comprehensive emergency plan can lead to confusion and chaos during a crisis. You know, it can also lead you to not having the things that you're going to need, like, you know, my favorite, water and food. And like Mark said, we're going to jump into some more details on that toward the end of this episode. Another thing is relying solely on stockpiling 
or very similarly, just buying gear to have. Now, when you say gear, what do you mean? Radios, axes, guns, ammunition, ammunition, backpacks. Any t- exactly uh, knives. But now, while stockpiling those supplies are important, it's not enough on its own. We have to have the skills that go along with and the knowledge to use those supplies effectively. And we've talked about so many times how many preppers have bought Baofeng radios, throw them in the bag, and say, I'm ready. Yeah. And then when the need hits, you're not going to be able to talk to anybody. You're talking about like for the ham radio? Right. Yeah, a lot of folks just kind of are relying on if an emergency is declared, I don't have to have a license to talk on the radio. And we have spelled that out very clearly as what the FCC and the amateur radio operators define mm-hmm. as an emergency. And it is literally an imminent life-threatening incident in real time where you are present at the event. Or if you're helping to get assistance to those folks. But somebody once said, if the president declares an emergency, then we're free to use it. That's not the way it is. And really, I'm not talking about the legalities here. I'm talking about being able to make the radio work. Oh, yeah. Like, what's your frequency? You know, how would if you don't know how to find a frequency, how are you going to be able to communicate? Or to program it into your radio or to be able to improve the performance of that radio. Mm -hmm. There are ways. There are ways. And we've actually covered that, how to improve the performance of any type of handheld radio. And it only takes about 19 inches of wire. It's relatively easy to do. But if you buy that gear and you don't know how to use it, time of need is not the time to be trying to figure it out. Yeah, it will not serve you at all to be in the middle of a crisis. Here's another thing to think about under our topic of bad habits, bad strategies, and bad mindsets, and that is ignoring your physical fitness. I mean, I'm just going to be real talk here for just a moment. Try to imagine, say, like a 400-pound out-of-shape guy who's going to get all kit up and he's going to hike 40 miles but currently can't climb a set of stairs without getting winded. Mm-hmm. So he's he's going to be in trouble. That's going to get you killed. That, that that strategy can actually put you in cardiac arrest or who knows what. See, being physically fit is crucial during a crisis, and it can help you perform necessary tasks and reduce the risk of injury. We agree with that. And Mark and I both have pledged to get in better shape. Have we achieved that goal? No. Have we started that goal? Kind of, yeah. I feel like at least we're not, you know, in the thousand pound club. So that, that kind of helps. We can climb a set of steps without getting winded. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know how well I can carry a 40 pound backpack 40 miles. <laughs> Hopefully that's not going to be happening. But that's just another area that we wanted to mention that that can often become overlooked in the middle of our preparedness plan. Sometimes we fail to work on our own physical body when we know that we need to be in the best possible shape to handle Mm -hmm. a crisis, an emergency, and also just to keep ourselves from being vulnerable to illness. There are so many benefits to being in shape, and that's what I'm really looking at is, is feeling better and being able to do things that Right now, quite honestly, I can't do very well that just a few years ago I could. Well, we've got our work cut out for us. 
How about practicing your plan? If you don't do that, it could get you hurt. You know, we've talked about having an emergency plan, even up to and including an emergency binder. But if you don't practice some of these ideas and thoughts and concepts and plans, then again, you're looking at waiting for a crisis to strike you. You're in the middle of it. What are you going to do? Yeah, and there's some things that we can practice. For example, with our children, we can go through the actual plan of letting them know that we're going to do a fire drill. Yeah, you know. And so everybody goes out. Where do we meet? We can practice that with children. You know, they talk about this with fire drills and fire evacuation. That is a very important plan to practice Mm -hmm. because there have been some families who can tell you they'll testify to the fact that they're alive today because they practiced their fire plan. But adults can talk through some of the plan as long as you're confident in those skills. There's no need for us to practice turning off the water or turning off the natural gas, as long as we know how to do that. So if you need to practice that, that's something that I need to practice. Okay. Well, we'll make a date to turn the water off. Okay. It's really simple. I mean, it it really is. And once you do it once or twice, it will make sense. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is power. Yeah, the knowledge of that. And you can turn both off with just a wrench. Okay, let's talk about some bad strategies right now, the kind of thing that sadly could get you killed. And we hear these a lot. Here's the thought. We're going to kind of throw out a statement because we've heard these, we've read these that have been expressed by actual people who have said things like this. I'm just going to go out into the woods and I'm going to live off the land. What are you going to do for shelter, for long-term shelter? What are you going to do if there's not enough game to hunt? Exactly, because if there's enough folks go to the woods, there's not going to be a lot of game. We've even talked about that program alone, where the contestants of this show were actually dropped into the wilderness, not necessarily where a lot of other people were, but they all expressed the same problem with a lack of available game. Mm -hmm. And I've hunted from the time I was a teenager on up well into adulthood, and I don't think I've hunted in the last couple of years, but uh, there were always bad days in the woods, Mm -hmm. more so than there were good days. Uh, I said that wrong. There were more days that I didn't get anything or didn't see anything than there were that I saw or got a deer. And I think, don't you think maybe movies and TV shows have given certain quote-unquote survivalists the wrong notion that the woods are just teeming with safety and food. And it's like you said, what are you going to do for shelter? What if where you are in the forest, if you don't have the proper cutting tools or hatchet axing type tools, how are you going to build anything to live in? What's your protection strategy against, you know, a rabid coyote? And there are some debris shelters and things that you can build to get into. But like you're saying, they're not impervious. And they may not offer a long-term protection. And here is the statement, I'll just go out and live off the land. Mm. And it's just going to be very, very, very difficult for most people to do that. National security experts are warning. Our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. 
January marked the third time a power station in North Carolina was damaged by gunfire recently. Authorities are saying the attack raises a new level of threat. Authorities are now checking our grid for vulnerabilities. They've identified nine key substations. If these substations are attacked, power could be knocked out from coast to coast for up to 18 months. Just imagine a blackout lasting not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time right at the moment the power fails. Lights all over the country would go out, throwing people into total darkness. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. With the Patriot Power Generator, you get a solar generator that doesn't install into your house because it's portable. You can take it with you. You can even use it inside. But it's powerful enough for your phones, your medical devices, even your refrigerator. And right now, you can go to 4patriots.com and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including the Patriot Power Generator. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4patriots.com and use the code PREPPER to get 10% off. That's 4patriots.com. Use the code PREPPER to get 10% off in their shop today. Are you tired of the taste of the water coming from your faucet? Do you ever wonder what is causing that taste? Did you know that treated water on municipal systems often has residue of chlorine effect? There's also bacteria. There are heavy metals. There's a vast number of different things that can add some form of taste to the water. And in some municipalities, you can actually see a color in a clear glass. Oh, it passes the quote-unquote safety test, but there's still something in there. Would you like to have crystal clear, clean, great-tasting water? Pro One Gravity Water Filters will give you just that. We have the Pro One Big Plus, and we use it daily. It makes our water taste better, and it even makes the coffee and the tea taste better. Pro One is also our backup water plan, just in case stuff hits the fan and the city's water system becomes contaminated or shuts down. If it really hits the fan and there's no water, we can source water from a nearby creek or the river, and we can run it through our Pro One filter and we'll have clean water. Pro One filters come in several sizes to meet the needs of your family. They are affordable, and through December 31st of this year, the Pro One Gravity water filters are 25% off, and there's free shipping on all orders over $69.95. Pro One Gravity water filters. The link is on our website, practicalprepping.info. Here's another one. I'm going to bug out on foot to the mountains. I'm thinking of that out-of-shape person who doesn't really exercise at all. Bug out on foot to the mountains, even though I don't regularly exercise. You know, how many people out there that are listening right now, how many of you have actually ever been on a hike onto a mountain? I'm raising my hand. I have hiked a mountain. I hiked a mountain probably over 40 years ago, and I was in terrific shape. And I'm talking terrific physical shape. 
and it near killed me. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how exhausting that was. And I was having an enjoyable hike. I was not in any kind of emergency. I was not in crisis. I didn't have to forage for food. I wasn't seeking shelter, but just the just the movement of of walking and hiking up a mountain and then back down. I did it one time. If that tells you anything about yeah. how much I enjoyed that. And we used to do some 10 and 15 mile hikes. Now I was, like you said, this is over 40 years mm-hmm. ago. And we, we would think not much about doing a 10 or 15 mile hike and carrying 25, 30 pounds in a pack. You could do it. Yeah. And we could do it then. I don't know that I could get to the end of the road right now. (laughs) Not on the uphill side up here. But, you know, obviously that is something to consider. Mm -hmm. That exercise program. Here's one that I hear. I don't need a group. I'll go it alone. You know, a few can Mm -hmm. make it alone, but very few can make it long term all by themselves. And there's some problems that can come up that, what are you going to do if you break a limb? And I don't mean a wooden limb. I mean your limb if you break a leg. That could be life-threatening. What type of medical care can you get? What kind of watchfulness and defense plan can you have all completely by yourself? you got to go to sleep sometime, mm-hmm. right? And it's a whole lot better if you've got several folks. A small group would be good. You know, even a good-sized family could mm-hmm. deal with this. You could have some sleep and some on watch and then trade. You reacted more to this next one than any of the others as you read across this. Here's what some have said. I'm just going to take whatever I need from those who have stocked up. Let me tell you something. If this is your strategy, you going to die. Mm-hmm. You're going to die. I'm telling you, you're going to get killed. See, sooner or later, you're going to encounter somebody bigger, badder, and more well-trained, more well-prepared. And the thing is, if you're kicking doors in and taking other people's stuff, you have to win every time to stay alive. Every single time. Every single time. Mm-hmm. You lose one time, you're dead. Yeah. And so, and the know, people protecting their stuff, they only have to you know, win one time. Yeah, I mean, it may be granny. Granny with a pistol. <laughs> right. You, know, you right. may come in kitted out with bulletproof vest and rifles and Miss tactical you know, gear. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you, you bought your tactical stuff, and tactical. now is the time to use it. And, uh-huh. Granny just takes this little thirty-eight and shoots you right between the eyes. All right, we're just going to talk real talk about this for a moment because this strategy is arguably the most selfish, self-centered, unhuman strategy that you could ever come up with. If this is your thought process that you're just going to steal what you need because basically there is no rule of law, we're just going to say it. You're kind of a lousy excuse for a human. And if you're male, you're certainly not a man. So step up. Take some responsibility for yourself and your family ahead of time and be prepared. Man up, even if you're a woman. Yeah. You know, man up and do it the right way. And don't get this mindset that you're just going to be robbing and stealing. And that's how you're going to survive. Because all you have to do is mess up one time and you're going to die. And we're talking here about those that that is their plan. Yeah, there there are groups that plan to do that. Yeah, marauding hordes of groups. They're they're lousy human beings, and if you're one of those, you know. Yeah, think think that through. All right, here's one that we hear a lot. I have plenty of guns and ammo, 
but I've never really trained and rarely even practice. Well, when it comes to gunfighting, that's going to get you killed. Yes. Uh, We do a lot of training. Uh, We do very, very little gunfighting, to be honest. Yes, true. Thankfully. Mm -hmm. But we do a lot of training for gunfights. And there are some things that you can do to increase your odds of surviving it. And there are some things you can do that will get you killed very quickly. Well, what if somebody just goes to the range, you know, a couple of times a year? Isn't that enough? No. Why isn't that enough? That's not training. We're talking about purchasing some training. We're talking about going through some courses. We're talking about getting into pistol courses, rifle courses. Learning from others who are professionals. Learning from others who are professional teachers in this and are very, very good at what they do. And though we've not taken advantage of this yet, uh, Tiger McGee is only about 40 miles from us Mm. with his training facility. And we need to spend a day with Tiger McGee learning, training, just in case. That's a good plan. Here's one you see and hear a lot. I stock a lot of seeds, but I haven't really stocked up on a lot of food. Okay, here's my question. Seed collector. You're in a two-week snowstorm and you're stranded. What are your seeds going to do for you? Well, I guess you can make poppy seed muffins. I suppose you can have seeds-flavored snow. (laughs) And we're not trying to be smart-alecky, but it kind of we are. Yeah, but the question is, what are you going to eat till your harvest comes in? You know, and if you're great with growing seeds, that's wonderful. If you're a gardener and you grow from seed, fantastic. But if you're trying to sustain your life today Mm -hmm. in the middle of a crisis, that seed isn't going to taste very yummy and it won't fill your tummy. And I've used this example with the 25-year survival food. Great to have. Mm -hmm. We're not dissing it. We're not dissing that. Not at all. But what we're saying is you don't want to have to dig into that for a five-day snowstorm. Right. The 25, the 25, that really is end of the world as we know it kind or of food. That, or, I mean, there could be some situations, but you really don't want to have to dig into that to make it four or five days. That's true. You want to have at least a few weeks at very minimum. Mm-hmm. A but few you, months is a whole lot better. We were just talking about the type of food you'd regularly purchase at the grocery store, mm-hmm. having that pantry up and running so that you can just simply maintain meals as you normally do. We were talking at dinner. Krista said this was a pantry meal. Yeah, I made a prepper pantry dinner tonight. And I made a chicken pie. It was a wonderful it, chicken pie. It was good. And I told her that I'd read in one of the groups somewhere that this guy was talking about practicing eating out of your prepper pantry. I do that really for a couple of reasons. No, 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 no. no hang on. Let me tell you where I'm going. He was talking about practicing eating out of your pantry so you'll be able to do that when the time comes. And what I said was prepare your pantry for what you normally eat. Now, you do it to rotate. I I know what what, you... Yeah, I do it to rotate the food out and also to practice eating the food that I do have stored in the prepper pantry just also to you know to make sure that is something that we do like that is something that we are going to eat and so that makes sense but you would cook a chicken pie regardless of where you got the materials from of course and so that that's my point we have prepared our pantry 
to be able to eat the way we normally do. Yeah, exactly. Rather than having to practice eating what we store so we'll know what it's like when we get to it. Yeah, because we're not just a a beans and rice family. Mm -hmm. We love beans, we love rice, but we've got a whole lot more variety in our pantry. Oh yeah, we can spice up our beans and rice too. Here's another little bad strategy, bad mindset that might get you killed. Here's one that I've heard. I have a generator and I have plenty of gas stored up. Very little will change for me. Well, your use of a generator may bring a lot of attention, particularly if you're in a power down situation for a long period of time. The noise is going to draw people. And the fact that you may be burning lights when the entire community is out, that will draw attention. So think about We're not, you know, again... Not saying you shouldn't have a generator. Oh, no, no. We do. But just understand that you may be very much the center of attention Mm -hmm. for all the other families that don't have a generator. And if we're talking a snowstorm or after a hurricane or a tornado, people expect to hear generators. Mm -hmm. You're not going to draw adverse attention. You may have someone come and say, I hear you've got a generator would you be so good as to charge my cell phone? You you might get some of that. But in that type of a circumstance, you're not likely to have folks coming to you trying to take your generator. But if you're in a long-term SHTF situation, the grid's down, and you've got lights and making noise with a generator, it may get you killed. Something to think about. Here's another one. I'm going to use my fireplace for heating my home and cooking my food. Well, first thing, how long has it been since you built a fire in that fireplace? Yeah, I mean, are you using that fireplace for heating and cooking now? And I'm talking about lighting a fire in there without the use of gas igniters. You know, have you practiced any of this on an open Mm -hmm. fire? And cooking on an open fire in a fireplace is different from cooking on a fire in the backyard. Very different. One thing, you've got it boxed in there. You can't just get all the way around on it, so you have to adjust to that. And we're just presuming that you've kept your chimney in good working Mm -hmm. order. You know, there's something to think about. But it's a little more difficult in a fireplace compared to outdoors, but this is one of those things that you can practice. Yeah, I mean, if that's your strategy and you know how to make that useful, more power to you. Right, but you need to practice that. Okay, here's one I've heard before. I live in the city. I'll hunker down and scavenge supplies. That's a bad plan, and it could get you killed because in that setting and situation, you're definitely one of bunches, and you're among more desperate, more dangerous persons. You may have a proper mindset about being careful or trying to do the right thing, but you may be putting yourself in the midst of a humongous danger. And if you're out there trying to scavenge supplies, you're running into other people. And And you may may be one of the last ones to even get to those supplies. Mm -hmm. And there's no supplies left when you get there. Exactly. How about, I have plenty of food and supplies. I'm set. Well, supplies are great, but skills are vitally important to be able to stay alive in a grid-down situation. And supplies alone may not be enough. Here's the point with this. You need the skills to use those supplies, to use that gear. Do you know how it works? Have you tried it? Have you practiced it? Do you regularly practice that? 
important skills because if you're going to have the supplies and the gear, you need to know how to use it. Because that could be a bad strategy and that can get you killed. This next one's not quite as bad as the ones that say that they'll just take what they want or what they need. But this is the one that says, we'll set up camp, make a perimeter, and shoot anybody who comes inside the perimeter. Oh, so you're just going to shoot first and ask questions shoot later? Shoot first and ask questions later. You know, you might kill a much-needed resource. Yeah, a person approaching your camp or your perimeter may very well be a midwife, a nurse, a doctor, someone who can build shelters and things, maybe a friendly person, not well, a foe. We may have different folks, may have different camps, in air quotes, set up in different areas. And this could actually be somebody from another camp that is a doctor that's literally just coming over to check on you guys. Mm -hmm. Do you need any medical assistance? And you're going to shoot him just because he crossed your perimeter? Yeah. It could also get other people to attack you and wipe you out. If we've got a camp that is of the mindset that we'll do what we want and we'll shoot anybody that comes near us, very well maybe two or three groups get together just to come do a preemptive strike. And yeah. I'm talking in a, a great big SHTF situation here. It could happen. If that's your strategy, you need to be taken out. All right, we talked about that plan. Let, let's just go through the actual planning process. Very, very shortened. This is not great detail. But one, you need to assess your most probable threats. For us right here where we live, that's weather events. That's tornadoes, severe thunderstorms, and the occasional snowstorm or ice storm. Those are our main threats right here where we are. Another is to make a prepping plan, and primarily, you definitely want to store water and food because all the tactical gear in the world is fine to have, but if you cannot eat or get hydrated, those skills will not help you at all. So start that prepping plan to store water and food and have a plan for replenishing and purifying that water. Yeah, we've got a creek over the hill we can get to. We've got a major river about, what, five miles down the road. Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want to walk carrying five gallons of water, but if we have a vehicle that's drivable, then we can go down and haul water, but we're still going to have to purify it. And also have some auxiliary ways to stay warm in the wintertime and to cook your food. I was talking with someone today and I asked him, you know, my statement, we wake up tomorrow morning, there's 48 inches of snow on the ground, you're not going anywhere, and the power's out. How long can you keep your family fed and warm? Mm. And he said, we can feed them for a good while. I don't know how we'll keep them warm. Oh. So I got him thinking, and he actually asked for a card for the podcast. And we've actually talked about that very thing on exactly. one of our podcasts. Exactly. And you need adequate first aid and the training for that. You might be your own doctor for a while. You might be, or your buddies, or your partners, whoever's there with you, or in your group. 
there are situations that come up that you need that immediate first aid and you need to know what to do. Also have some sort of a plan for your personal security and defense. Whether or not that includes a firearm, we've touched on that a great deal. That is your personal choice to make. Now, if you're a homeowner, you need to have some supplies for temporary repairs. Like roof and windows, things like that. Well, yes, and not that you have to store a roof, but you need some tarps. Well, if a hole gets blown in your roof, you've you you got to cover up your roof. You, exactly. So have some tarps. Have some hammers and nails available. And one of the reasons is the stores may be closed or they may run out. If this is a hurricane situation, the time to buy the supplies for repairs is now, not after the hurricane comes. Exactly. The stores may be closed or they may run out. And even if you're not personally able to make the repairs, keep the things there and a ladder to get up on the roof because you may find a neighbor that is able, that is willing, you may find a disaster relief group that comes through and said, we'll be glad to do the work, but we don't have a tarp. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Yeah. I've got a few tarps right here. There are a lot of church groups, too, that will jump into action Oh yeah, during a time like that and just help a neighbor out because they are the goodness of their heart. They know that there's a need and they meet that need and they're not expecting to be paid for the work that they're doing. And that's just a real blessing. But they're also not hauling a hundred tarps in the car either. That's right. So help them help you. Exactly. Remember the key to effective prepping is to be well-rounded and prepared for a variety of scenarios. So think these things through. And we've been a little bit humorous here with some of the mindsets and habits and strategies that we've talked about But all of these are things that we have seen either in reality or we have seen these strategies talked about in various forums and groups. Anything else you want to add before we go? Well, we certainly don't want you to fall into any kind of danger. And we want you to look at things like your physical health, your physical abilities, your strengths emotionally, financially, physically in prep ways, so that when stuff happens, you and your family can stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Practical Prepping Podcast. Would you consider supporting this podcast by buying us a cup of coffee? Go to the website, practicalprepping.info, and click on the link to buy me a coffee. You can contact us by email at info at practicalprepping.info. You can also contact us through Facebook and through our website. And until next time, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.